You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. Grand Rising, everyone. Welcome to The Date with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. I want to welcome you to a true Throwback Thursday. I'm excited because I got Brian Callanan in the building, and it has definitely been a minute since I've been able to touch base with him. So we're going to be throwing back to some of the issues he's been covering on uh, Seattle News, Views, and Brews, of course, with his co-host, David Croman. And I'm also really excited to share and like showcase to y'all uh, an amazing work that is been in progress over a year ago with Chardonnay Beaver and Donita Martin Sinclair. So I'm excited that they are both here in the building with me today uh, to talk about uh, their series. And so y'all will be hearing more about that later on in the show. But of course, it is the top of the show, y'all. So it is a great time to tag and share the stream right here. Yes, you, that's right, you get to participate with us. Go ahead and tag and share this stream with folks who you feel could benefit from a daily dose of dope right here on the day with Trey. If you cannot watch our TV show, we surely have you covered because you can listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just search Converge Media Network and the day with Trey. Y'all will find me on Google, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Apple Music, whichever one is your favorite. Go ahead and search for us and y'all will find us there. Well, because I have such an amazing array of guests today, I want to get right to it because you know me and Brian, we can go on for a minute. What's up, Brian? Hey, it's good to see you, Trey. And it's been too long. And I didn't realize till I sat down here, I've been missing that daily dose of dopeness. It's really good to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you as well. And you've been covering some some busy topics. I mean, yeah. there's a lot going on in the city. Mm-hmm. Tell us about some, I guess we'll maybe cover some of the top three. Yeah. Where do we want to start? I'd like to try to start with what's going on with the drug law that the city of Seattle is working on right now. So a lot of headlines over this over the past couple of months. As you know, the state put something into effect right after its legislative session this year saying, okay, we've got a gross misdemeanor for drug use or possession of drugs. And so I think the bottom line that I'm seeing out of this is every city is going to enforce this in a different way. Seattle wanted to take this a different way with a whole treatment first concept in terms of dealing with people found on the street there. And so that's what they've been wrestling with. And I had a really interesting show on Seattle Channel. I'm a host there too, as you know. And I had an interesting show with Councilmember Lisa Herbold and Councilmember Andrew Lewis, who are basically the architects of this new drug law that was given to them by Mayor Harrell. And they've been working on the details. But what they have basically said was, hey, the state needed to go in a special session on this. And we do too. At least that's the rationale they've been using. And so what we're talking about for the city of Seattle is most likely something that is going to be put into effect on September 19th. Now, there's been some concern about that because the state law basically went into effect in the middle of August. And now here we are with this interesting kind of month plus lag period that I know a lot of people are concerned about. In talking with the council members about that, this is a process that we're going through here. I'm not condoning what they've done here. I just want to try to explain it. But there's a process that they're going through here through which they're going to be working on a lot of these different cases. Is it still illegal to use and possess drugs in Seattle? Yes, it is in terms of how that is actually enforced and how that is actually going to turn into 
cases going forward. That's a bit of a question mark still, but I will say what the city is trying to do is lead with treatment. And the mayor has been talking about this a lot, wants to invest $27 million into some more treatment options to help people that are out there. And he has basically said, there's something in place called uh, sort of level of harm, uh, public harm that might be involved. And this is going to be an interesting nuance too. I wanted to bring this up. So basically if, if, if police run into somebody who is on the street and let's say blocking a business or harassing somebody and they're using drugs or under the influence of drugs, an arrest most likely will be made in a case like that. But let's say there's a person that's sleeping out on a bench around nobody on Pier 62 for, for just as an example there. And they're still under the influence of drugs. The police are still going to engage with them. But I think it's going to be a little bit easier to start with the discussion about treatment in a situation like that, rather than using anything along the criminal justice system. So, again, still a lot of loose ends here. I think we'll have some more answers by the time September 19th comes around. And certainly next week, right after Labor Day, the city's going to be talking about it. But I just wanted to lay it all out there. There's a lot of moving parts to this. Well, there definitely is. And and especially when you talk about this kind of period here where it's kind of hard to gauge and it's almost as if, you know, people that are out there, I mean, I I have these conversations almost weekly about we're living in what people think is almost post-apocalyptic. It's like, you know, we see, this is what I hear y'all. Okay. So don't go to the rolls on me or (laughs) roast me over the coals, (laughs) but people are like, we're living in the zombie land, right? People see walking around. Yeah. Yeah. We see the effects of addiction and drug use everywhere, Brian. And yes, maybe there are some cities that um, don't have it as much. I always think about Medina or some, you know, Mercer Island. Maybe they don't see it as much. But when we talk about it hitting, you know, King County, I'm seeing Mm -hmm. it in King County, Pierce County, even Snohomish County. I was just recently out there. We're seeing this, you know, Mm -hmm. the effects of it. But the question about criminal charges Mm -hmm. has always been something that never settled with me uh, regarding, you know, you're dealing with somebody who has an addiction issue and taking, putting them in jail Mm -hmm. doesn't help them with their addiction issue. Right. Right. And so I think there's a lot to be said about this. And I'm glad that the city of Seattle is really taking a a strong look on this and trying to change the way that we address, you know, people who are dealing with addiction issues. Um, I'm glad that this is happening. Yeah, I I am too. And I think you bring up an important point about what's going on in different cities because some people are saying, well, that's Seattle's problem or something along those lines. Not true. I mean, major metropolitan areas all around the country are certainly dealing dealing with this fentanyl epidemic is is crazy to to look at. And you're right. I have done a number of tours with the people who do We Deliver Care along 3rd Avenue there. And I've seen some of the people that you're talking about literally walking around like zombies. And it's very difficult to see. They're trying to lead with compassion, make sure they're making a personal connection with these folks, these WDC crews. And they're great. I mean, there's a lot of good work going on out there. But the challenge, I think, with this and treatment is an important part of it is just that work can be so slow and so incremental. I mean, the amount of work that needs to go into one person to make sure that they're going to be okay. It's a ton. And when you talk about treatment, it's not a check done kind of a thing. It's like, yep, treatment and you're good. It's like, no, that's got to be a lifelong type of a thing. So when people talk about treatment, and I think it is important to talk about treatment, we've been having a big conversation statewide about this and it needs to be part of it. That treatment can't be just, okay, let's just shove this person over there. I I think there just needs to be a larger discussion about, okay, if we're going to be real about treatment, 
then where are those dollars? Where are those resources? Yeah. A lot of them are in criminal justice right now, and it's figuring out how to divvy up the pie in a different way, which I think is the bigger discussion that's going to be happening in years to come. Well, I also think it's so important, too, because we talk about um, societal norms. Sure. And my nine-year-old now mm. can spot someone on the street yeah. that is under the influence of drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. I think a lot of what we're seeing is fentanyl use. Yeah. It is on the rise still. Yeah. Um, the ideas of the synthetic fentanyl hitting the streets yeah. and the the overdoses, you know, going uh, what they said, 250%, 300% up yeah. in the last five really years. Bad run with it. It's yeah. just, it's, you know, it's something to be said for, I was, I was explaining to my son when I was growing up, we didn't really see this. No. Uh, yes. Uh, crack epidemic was huge, especially in black communities yep. across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we all are now are learning more about the history yeah. of that and how it was intentional. But the idea of it being this blatant and in our face mm-hmm. is something that I'm just saying, my nine-year-old can point it out. So yeah. I think that we also have to uh, really understand the kind of cultural norms that are being created and how do we really educate young people on this so that it's more, uh, they're more aware of it. So they're not you know, curious about it yeah. or things like that, yeah, right? Yeah. Like we can actually point directly to some of the yeah. um, some of the actions yeah. and habits that cause what we're seeing mm-hmm. on the streets. I think that's important. Let me take that a little different way. I want kids to be curious about in terms of learning about it, doing it. Absolutely not. Right. But I just want that conversation to happen because what's different about this epidemic in comparison to crack, et cetera, and some of the different issues that were going on in the early 80s and 90s there. This is something where literally two grains, two grains of this stuff with fentanyl we're talking about that can fit on the point of a pencil can kill you. And so what we're seeing on the streets, I'm actually working on a documentary about this for Seattle Channel right now. And it's amazing to hear this different stuff from the DEA, but what they're finding in these different pills that they're grabbing off the streets that look just like prescription pills, right? And so people think they're getting this pill, but they're getting fentanyl just about every time. They're getting a dose of fentanyl in there. And what they found is that dose is starting to ramp up and up Mm. and up so they can hook more people, right? And hook them on a higher dose, but they're also going to kill more people. But the people who are dealing this don't really, don't remind about that because they're just going to keep on cranking out new customers. So it's really dangerous. It's something that can be purchased for less than a dollar a pill on the street, which is another difference in terms of what we're talking about with different drug epidemics. But um, yeah, I think it's important to look at it in that larger context and that historical context. Why is this more important? Because it's killing more people. It's doing it a lot more quickly and we need to be paying attention to it right now. Or in this one person I talked to who unfortunately lost her daughter, I just feel like we're going to lose a generation of of young people to this. And it's it's really, really dangerous stuff. Well, I'm so glad you are covering this on Seattle News Views and Mm Brews and on the Seattle channel Mm -hmm. and doing this documentary. I think all of it is so important. It is. We need to be learning right now and we need content created around this issue so that it's not something that gets swept under the rug at all. What else are y'all covering? So many things. And thank you for going down that path with Mm -hmm. me on the different drug issues there. I think another important part of what I'm covering right now and what we'll see over the course the fall is we're going to have discussions about the budget, which is always something that happens in this fall. But I think we're also going to be seeing discussions about, okay, what about the budget of the future? Because what the city of Seattle has found is that coming up in 2025, they're projecting somewhere around a $200 million budget gap. So for a budget that's around $7 million, 
that's not the end of the world, but it's substantial. It's something that's really big. And so why, where is that coming from? There's a lot of discussion about that. Uh, partially, it's from the unsettled nature of the jumpstart, um, uh, high-income uh, high earners uh, payroll tax. You know, that, that's, yeah. that can be a little volatile there. And there are some other pieces that have not uh, – anyway, it's a little bit complicated, and I don't mean to brush it off, but there's a lot of different pieces that are contributing to this budget gap. So – how do you solve something like that? And this is a long-term issue that all the council is working on. Uh, they are looking to try to cut some costs in some ways, but they're really looking at, and I think they're putting a lot of eggs into the basket of trying to figure out new ways to get progressive revenue on the table. So what does that look like? Does it turn into some sort of tax on capital gains like the state has? Are we going to enact something like that at the city level? Because there are certainly a lot of people gaining dollars from that in our city. And can that be culled in some way to make it happen on a city level as well and get some money in the city's coffers? They're looking strongly at that. They're looking at ways of maybe boosting up Jumpstart and saying, okay, all these multi-million dollars, okay, let's bring that level down a little bit and see if we can't cull a few more dollars there too. Because I think this is something that a lot of different cities are going to be going through over the next couple of years is, okay, we've got these services and those services talk about drug treatment, et cetera. Mm -hmm. If we want to increase those services, where are the dollars going to come from? And it's an important discussion to have all the time. I'm focused on what's happening with this year's budget because it's one thing. It's going to be pretty tight. But then looking forward into the future, I really think that that's something that the council needs to talk about now. And then also the council candidates that, that are vying for the election coming up here in the fall, they need to be talking about it as well, because that's not like we're going to push that over here. That needs to be front and center. Talk about revenue. How are we going to generate it? How are we going to deal with the cost that this city has? Yeah, this is really important. I think it, it's one of those things that every time we have discussions about budget. I always think about the outcomes mm -hmm. of budget because I, I feel that sometimes we put a lot of money into these buckets yeah. and in it's unfortunate that we don't really experience the level of outcome that you're expecting yep, yep. when you talk about $200 million gap. Sure. Okay, if we can fill it, what does that look like in terms of, you know, innovative services mm -hmm. and approaches to some of the main major issues that yeah. the city is facing? Yeah. How are we actually experiencing that level of investment, especially when it comes to taxpayer dollars, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And I think it's something to be said about, yeah, I, I look at some of the other cities, they just tax at a high rate because they're just like, this is going to solve our issues yeah. and we don't have a lot uh, of homelessness yeah. or addiction or other things. And sure. you can, we can learn from some of those cities globally okay. about how that works. But, you know, we hold on to our money here. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Like yeah. somebody's like, I worked hard for that. Yep. You yeah. know, uh, that's my money, we're, right? We're a, All we're, of a that. No, we're a no income tax state. Exactly. And I think that, that, that is through the culture here. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. But I just feel like uh, for me, I'm always like, okay, great. If you get the money you need in the budget, mm -hmm. can you make sure that all of it isn't going to administrative costs? Because yeah, that doesn't right. help with the yeah. actual issue. So I think we really need more impactful teams. And I say that because we pay some of these administrators for these programs get yeah. paid six figures yep. in a really great get really sure. great pay. Yeah. Yes, their work is is challenging yeah. and all of that. But at the same time, I'm always concerned because as a citizen, we're not actually experiencing the output yeah. of all of yeah. that money. So I think that's really important too. Yeah. Brian, as always, there's so much to cover yes. in so little time. Thank yeah. you so much for being with me. Look right there. Let the folks know how to connect with you in Seattle News, Views and Brews. I will do that. Seattle News, Views and Brews is coming back this coming Wednesday here. Make sure you check it out right after Labor Day. That's the greatest 
easiest way to check us out right here on Converge. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, that's another good way to do that, at Callanan Seattle. I really like engaging with people, and I love engaging with you, Trey. Thank you for taking the time. Always a pleasure, my friend. Good Thank you, you for being here. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, y'all. Of course, when Brian starts the show, we're going to get into some deep discussion, but I'm really excited because we get to share a real gem that has been in the making for quite some time because up after this short break, I got Chardonnay Beaver in the building and, of course, Miss Donita Sinclair. Y'all, stay tuned right after this. You do not want to miss it. You're watching The David Trey. I think my pieces of advice would be come in with humility, enjoy your passion, um, and be ready to work. Those are my three things. I think if you don't have, if you think your product is perfect and you may not need to adjust, you're gonna, your product's gonna die quickly because the world adjusts, people adjust. You need to always be thinking about your customer and what they want. So you may have an idea of what you like, but you gotta move that to what the customer likes also. And two, um, just enjoy your job. I love what I do. It is hard. I love what I do. Uh, it's hard and there's you're fighting mother nature and you're fighting inflation and all these other things. Um, but I think it's made me a better human being. And thirdly, like be ready to work. Don't be lazy. Like just do the research, get a mentor. Like, you know, that also goes with being humble, like find somebody who's done it and then work with them to help you be the best version of yourself. Big Tobacco thinks they know everything. They think they know you, your community, the places you go, the way that you spend your time. They think they got you all figured out, down to a formula, a calculation based off of numbers of what they think they know. Show them they're wrong. Learn more at theythinktheyknowyou.org. I learned about the ONU program through many different community organizations. The program, um, they're very good at making sure that you meet the right people. My favorite part would have to be the community building um, and also the volunteer opportunities as well. I've been working on my physical health a lot more. I've been intentional about that and they're very big on that. I'm still learning how transformational it is um, because there's just so much opportunity. It's a great program and they will support you. Visit the link at the end of this video to learn more. Welcome back, everyone, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. I'm really excited because this has been an amazing work uh, that has been in the books for quite some time. And it is really about the beloved campaign. Both of these amazing women have been able to be a part of that and have produced uh, a mini series that y'all will be seeing soon on Converge Media. So without further ado, I'm excited to have Ms. Chardonnay and Ms. Donita in the building. Hey, Hello. I think we'll both say good morning. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I want to start with you, Charnay, because this is the first time that you've been executive producer over a project. I just want to hear about the importance of this story and why you chose to really put your energy into this particular project. Yeah, I mean, gun violence has been something that has been plaguing our community for Oh, man, for a while now. And even considering the past few years since 2020. Um, Donita was so kind and transparent to share her story and vulnerability. And as a part of the Beloved campaign, I started writing pieces. <laughs> Journalism is my primary medium. And then I transitioned into thinking of what capacity do we have to do a visual? Because how can we archive the stories of those that are really trying to revel in becoming love, 
Being Love, which was the name Beloved. And honestly, through God, through prayer, through consulting heaven about what are we going to do about this? How do we think about purpose? And so I started to cope debate. Okay, well, I know that this is painful, but where's the purpose? And I thought of Danita. And she said, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) And then we pulled up to Converge and it happened so organically, but using love and purpose to be the heart post behind what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, Donita, this is something that, I mean, you and I have had several conversations and discussions about, but the idea that you were sharing your story in this way, tell us why that was important for you. Um, Thank you for having me. Um, When I look at pain, I just was wondering, there has to be another answer to it, right? And not just dwell in sorrow and, and tears. I say it has to be a purpose. And so... When I went through my pain in 2020 after, um, sorry, you guys, I had to um, take a, a look at me and what part I played in it. And so I said, before I can ask anybody to heal and change and talk about accountability, what part of accountability and change was I going to take? And so I said, I got to start self-care. It started with self-care and started with, you know, getting to know all my peoples and, you know, my community and partnering and and building that relationship, but building it on trust, building it on strength and creating a space. Right. It ain't just healing spaces, it's spaces that we're creating. And so when I got offered to be a part of the beloved, um, I didn't want it to just be about my son. I want it to be about all our children that we have lost in our community and because they're loved and we want to be loved. We want to continue to love them. So that's that's honestly how I started this journey, turning my pain into purpose. I love that, y'all. And uh, Chardonnay, I mean, this was filmed over a year ago. Tell us what is the significance now? I mean, clearly we're still seeing the rise of gun violence. We're still having parents and families affected. Uh, What do you feel the significance of this time is now to release this amazing miniseries? Yeah, so we, excuse me, we filmed this back in May of 2022 right here at Converge. And when we did that, I was like, okay, how are we going to release it to the world? (laughs) Let's get these things started. But then I had to step back. um, And it really, the reason why it's being released a year later has nothing to do with Donita. It wasn't her. She was ready. It was really me. Mm. I mean, we had Devon Pickett Jr. And we had Elijah Lewis. And we had so many others. And again, I had to like consider what are we doing with this? How can I actually make this um, something that is meaningful Uh, but also timely. And I wish it wasn't relevant. I wish we didn't have to sit here and say this had relevance, but it does. And so I feel like in this time, what people can really take from this is the opportunity to say, one, universally, we all are going to experience grief. That's an experience that we are all bound to have, unfortunately. But in that grief, I think more than likely, we have the opportunity to say, what are we going to do with this? We have the potential to take that pain and turn it into purpose. And honestly, not a lot of people are going to have the experience that Donita had. But what they can see is that you can take it, cultivate it, and use it to champion something that matters. We were all put on this earth to make a difference. And so I use what was in my sphere of media. 
And I said, I'm going to use my role in this industry, in this campaign to make a difference, which everyone has the power to do. So that's the significance. It's like if it's not gun violence, maybe it's another issue that really stings your heart, that laments you. But use your role and your influence for good. Yeah, it's so important. And, you know, throughout the series, Donita, you talk about your life before you lost your son. Right. Lorenzo Anderson Jr. We will always continue to say his name. Thank you. But. You, you talk about that and I want, I want you to share maybe one of the, the top things that you have to, to share with other family members who are dealing with that same sense of grief that you found yourself dealing with because there's always something that can be resilient for someone else because of maybe what you've been able to experience and how you got yourself through it. Well, I'm still getting myself through it. Absolutely. Um, take one day at a time and when you're not okay, don't be okay, right? Take that time off, but find something that's not, find something about you. Find something value to you that you love about you that makes you happy. I noticed that when, you know, when we go through gun violence, we get robbed. We get robbed, not just from our babies, but from our, who we are. We have to get a whole new identity, whole new person. And honestly, before you can move forward, the person you were has to get healed. The person you were has to, you have to deal with those old scars, you know, the trauma, um, just being honestly, it's about being honest with yourself. If you want change, it starts with honesty. Yeah. So the best advice I can say is um, to every mother, you know, hope that we're not going to continue to go through this, but pay, pay attention, right? Know what your kids is doing. Friends don't take friends to danger. And and your loved ones, they're not going to take you somewhere where harm will be done. It don't matter. It's, it's just a petty fight. They, they're not fights no more. They're, yeah. they're your life it can be taken. And so tap into your friends, parents. You know, we used to say that like that was we didn't want our friends. You know, why are you so cool? No, it's important yeah. because you need to make sure that they're not hurting in order to make sure that everybody makes it home safe is I got to make sure you're safe. I got to love me and I got to love you. So when we get the text, did you make it? That's I care about you. I love you. So that's when we know not, you know, I, I just see a lot in our community. So I just ask that mothers don't be silent to what's going on. You know, um, don't participate because I know that times can get hard, right? Finances and we accept stuff. And when we accept it, it continues. It, the, 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 the cycle doesn't stop. It continues. And so not that we are, we're putting our kids in worse or danger. Yeah. Let's save our children. It's, it's time to save them. But we may owe them, not saying we may, we owe these children an apology, I'm apologizing for being a teen parent and not giving myself an opportunity to heal and deal with whatever I, my childhood trauma before I brought you into this world, bringing you trauma. Well, you, you know, you talk about that and, and this is not even something I was going to mention, but when you say that you actually did a public apology to the, the young man who took your son's life. And I, this, you know, video, I think went viral or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sorry. you were you because people understood that not only were you talking about your pain, but you were holding everyone who was in that young man's life accountable to who he had become yeah. to where he felt like that was the only option 
that he could take was to pick up a gun and shoot your son like that. I, I really want to ask you because that was so raw and it was so Thank passionate. You. And I, I'm, I'm getting a little emotional because as someone who has just been in this community it's so true. We don't do that enough, Donita. And I just want to thank you thank for that, you. for putting that out there in the way that you did by being as raw and brutal as you could in that moment. It really, I think, affected so many people because they understood not only is it about us having some polished lifestyle. No, you're putting a lot of stuff on the back burner that you need to deal with now mm -hmm. in order to really address the pathways that are being created for these young people to think gun violence is the key yeah. and the answer. Yeah. So I just had to thank, thank you. you for that because that was really a special moment. As you were in that moment, I, I really want to hear from you because you you said it's on all of us. It's on community, but it starts with family. It does. I just want to hear more about that because the families understand when that young person is going astray. It ain't like sometimes we don't know. We be knowing and we don't say anything. So I love how you're telling people to speak up. Uh, what was it for you that made you say, I need to be sure to address it in this way right now? Well, honestly, um, I think the time we have been there for two hours, almost three hours. And so, when I came in there as a mother, but then the community leader, um, <laughs> uh, advocate, a, a mom, an angry mom, all that started just boiling when I seen that our system that already failed us was continuing. If you don't know, say it. Yeah. Don't pretend that you have the answers because you're in position. You, you need help, you know, and, and allow help. Right. And then we got to understand that one organization can't do it. We, we need us all in order for this to work. I need her, him. You, it's the linkage to care. It's not service no more. We have to linkage to care. You know, we have to start caring about our community and your kid has to matter to me. Yeah. You, you don't have kids yet. So good. But you have to matter. Your brother has to matter. You know, everybody in your family has to be healthy and matter. That's the only way we can cure it. Because there is a cure to this disease, understanding violence as a disease, but dealing with it. And so when I got in that courtroom, just to be honest, I was just through with the white and black games. Mm. I was through with the, the system failing and we putting it on. I, let me take some accountability, but let everybody in this room, because we showing up for court, but we ain't showing up to do nothing healthy. We didn't show up to put them in a job, even if it was a job court. Yeah. We didn't have no alternative for the young man, but gun, right? And now, um, I don't know if you guys got to see it, but he apologized. Mm. Wow. He apologized. So it was bittersweet, but I did. I didn't ask for it, but I, I'm, I'm thankful that he did. Yeah, see, it, it matters in those moments when when we can, you know, honestly address something like that to just spark mm -hmm. the idea. That's why I got so emotional because I see that as the real work. Yes. And, you know, Chardonnay, when we think about what media can do, we can be present. So I love that you picked this up and said, I'm going to do the work to produce this, to be the executive producer and make this happen. When you think about, you know, this, this series, I want to make sure po folks know when it's airing, how they can tap into it, but also what are some of the things you really want our community and the audience to gain by tuning in? 
Yeah. Which camera do I look at? Uh, right there. <laughs> the one closest to me. <laughs> look at this one. I want people to know that when everything in your life is telling you to throw in the towel, destiny calls you higher. And that's the call that she took. She chose to take it higher. And not everyone has the capacity to bring others along because they're just trying to make it themselves. And yet she did that. She brought other people along. And so for me as a storyteller, it was important that I engaged that. It was important. I was, I was in college when we filmed this. I was in midterms. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do this that week. I was actually sick because a family friend had died that Monday and we recorded on that Friday due to gun violence. And so it felt very real time. Um, but I want people to know that they can see this. They can have a window into Donita's life, into how to become love for yourself. Next week here on Converge, we have the show airing at 7.30 p.m. Monday, September 4th, Wednesday, September 6th, and then Friday, September 8th. That's part one, part two, part three. And we just dive right into conversation. I have a brief monologue at the beginning where it kind of catches you up into where everything kind of took place. I feel like I'm having a one-on-one -on -one with you all, so stay with me. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's what I hope people can gain from this is to pick up the call of destiny. When that call happens for a parent, what took away from me, especially as a young person and I see a hope deficit in my generation, is you would think that life would command everything to stop. Like, okay, I have permission to stop. But you don't especially our moms of color, those who are in low income communities, those who just don't have the capacity, uh, don't have the resources, life doesn't stop for you. And so to catch her in real time, also as you're doing and healing was refreshing for me. I was empowered. So if it's about our neighbor, it's about us. It didn't take for my brother. It didn't take for my mom to have to give the call for me to care. That's what I want us to get. That's what she's getting at about being about your neighbor's business. So... Thank you guys, Converge, for just having this space. I mean, a safe space for visions and art and truth to come forth. I'm eternally grateful. I'm, I'm so grateful to be able <laughs> to be a part of such an amazing platform that not only, you know, amplifies and elevates what's happening in our community, but also curates the content in terms of us sharing our authentic story. So thank you both. Uh, the name of the series my journey to beloved. There it is. And you said Monday, Wednesday, and Friday next week. 7.30 p.m. Thank you all so much <laughs> for, you. you know, pouring into this effort so we all can benefit from your journey, your continued journey. Uh, love to you both for what y'all do. Thank you. Love always. Thank, Thank you. you. Oh, my gosh, y'all. I told you it was going to be a true throwback Thursday because although this was filmed over a year ago, the significance is still important to this day. Make sure you turn into my journey to beloved uh, next week right here on Converge Media. Y'all, I'm going to wrap it all up right after this short break. Stay tuned. You're watching The Day with Trey. Welcome back, everyone, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. What a fantastic episode today. Huge shout out to all of my guests. Of course, starting off with Brian Callanan is always a treat. And it's so great to hear some of the topics that he and David Croman are capturing and analyzing for all of us because, honestly, there's so much to uncover. So make sure y'all are tuning in to Seattle News, Views, and Brews right here on Converge Media. And also, what a gem we have in our 
our community with Donita and Chardonnay, both of them partnering together to make sure that this story was shared with you all as we learn from each other's pain and as we turn our pain into purpose, as they said, make sure you turn it, tune in to my journey into beloved. This is a, a special thing for me because, you know, I'm always saying here on the day with Trey, we want to showcase to you people that will inspire you. And it can come in a wide variety of ways, whether it is through, you know, what Donita experienced losing a son to gun violence, whether it is through Chardonnay being a, a young person in media, a young journalist and saying, I've got to do something about this. The call is higher for me. I'm calling, getting called to a higher purpose with my skill set, right? Um, whether it is Brian giving his energy time and time again to the Seattle channel and Converge Media, you know, with Seattle News Views and Brews and covering these topics when, within the city of Seattle. The idea that you can be inspired by the guests that come on here is not just for you. It's also for me, y'all. I'm telling you. It's also for me. So be encouraged, be inspired. You may find that there is something that you experience or someone close to you experiences that means that you are now called to a higher purpose. And we welcome you to step into that purpose so that you and your energy can benefit so many more by bringing it out into community. So of course, there's multitudes of ways to see yourself as a part of the solution. Be inspired to do so, y'all. And for me, until tomorrow at 11 a.m., peace. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.